0: Well, look, we move on. Are you inclined to pop open a bottle of wine perhaps a little more often than you should or have one or two pints more than you intended in the pub? Well, my next guest was, he says, drinking to excess for over 40 years, realising it was only a matter of time before it became a problem. Abstinence was an unattractive prospect, so he instead determined to find another way to rein in his habit, as outlined in his just-published book, The Good Drinker, How I Learned to Love Drinking Less. Well-known broadcaster... Super successful broadcaster, writer, Guardian columnist, Adrian Charles. Good morning to you.
1: Good morning. Nice to be on. Thanks for having me, Miriam.
0: So welcome. It's a great read. I'll come back to it first of all. Just for my listeners, remind me a little of your background. They'll know you from the TV and radio. But you grew up in the village of Hagley, is that right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Just um, so just west of just west of Birmingham. Actually, born in Birmingham, but then. Uh, Moved out to uh, Hagley. Yeah, my dad's a sort of a brommy born in Smithick, near West Brom's ground. That's why I'm. Uh, that's why I'm a West Brom fan. And my mom's actually from Croatia. Um, she came over from what then was Yugoslavia in the late 50s, and as uh, and has been here ever since. So yeah, they they produced me, and uh, sort of here I am, muddling on.
0: And you know what? It's lovely. I was reading, obviously, for the interview, Adrian, you know, like the Philip Larkin poem from This Be The Verse about they F you up your mum and dad. But you you believe something else, don't you?
1: Well, I think I'm sure somebody had this as a book title, but my, you know, I can't I can't I can't point for whatever whatever troubles I've got into. I can't point to a, a difficult childhood. So, you know, I'd. I'd reword it. They tuck you up, your mom and dad, because that's that's kind of that that, that sort of what <laughs> that sort of what they did. So uh, you know, there's no uh, there's no traumatic backstory here.
0: No, it's a lovely line actually. And how did you get into broadcasting?
1: Um... Well, I suppose I wanted to be a broadcaster, but only like I wanted to play for West Brom or be a fighter pilot or something. I didn't think it was remotely possible. So, and actually when I left, I did a degree in English and after I left, I was going to go to Croatia and teach um, teach English as a foreign language. Um, but then I, I had a job to go to, at uh, the, the British Council job, which would really have suited me. Then I smashed my leg to pieces playing football. And I, I never, and I never went, and the job faded away. I couldn't walk for a year, and then I ended up going on doing a journalism course, and I ended up getting a job at the BBC. And then, you know, people ask you how you get to be a presenter. I always say you need one thing to be a presenter, and that is somebody mad enough to give you something to present. So, you know, I, I found that person, somebody who put me on air on radio, and then who put me on air on t- on television, and then, and then it, it sort of sort of started there.
0: And of course, you still have your Radio 5 live show and you spent, I think, Adrian, nearly 20 years working in live TV on programmes like the hugely successful One Show with Christine Bleakley, who we know well yeah. here. Did your drinking, like, at that stage, do you feel it ever impacted on your ability to do your job? Because that would never have been no, noticeable.
1: I mean, in a way, in, in in any obvious way, it didn't really impact on anything. And I'm, hmm. I'm just I'm just realising part of my issue was i was just too good at it you know the mm-hmm. you know i just it didn't really affect my relationships it didn't affect my behavior i could always do my job i mean looking looking back now i became you know sort of sort of mental health issues at various times you know which i always put down to the stress of the job the sort of the madness fame whatever but i suppose a prodigious alcohol intake you know, isn't good for your mental health. We know that. But uh, apart from that, I don't think, you know, I don't think I don't think there was anything, no.
0: And you make the point, I think, really well in the book, you know, in your 30s, even though you were consuming a considerable amount of alcohol, you were also running marathons. So was the kind of thinking that if you can run marathons with the alcohol, it's really not doing you yeah, too much yeah.
1: harm? Well, I mean, I think everyone's got you know, every sort of big drinker has, has, has got a sentence, which begins me, alcohol drinking problem. No, you know, why? I, you know, I, I do dry January. I give up drinking for Lent. You know, I only drink at the weekends. You know, they've, everyone's got that list of sort of reasons. And um, one of mine was, well, I do a lot of exercise, mm. but you know, in the end, you know, and I did, I was running 60 miles a week and stuff, but you know, and, and it was good that I did that, but you know, you put putting alcohol through your liver and through your mind, then it's going through your liver and your mind. It's not, you know, you, you can't get some idea that you're sweating it out just because you go and, <laughs> you know, work your backside off in the gym for an hour. What's coming out is, isn't isn't beer, you know, isn't wine. You know, it's, um, you know, so it was yet another fallacy. I suppose in the end I was – you know, I was I was running to eat and drink and, and suddenly eating and possibly drinking in order to run, you know, which would be, you know, another form of madness.
0: Tell me about the night you were invited, Adrian, to dinner, you know, by the then PM, Tony Blair.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I mean, that... <clears throat> uh, yeah, well, that came about because I knew somebody who worked at Downing Street and I, I got in... And um, I had a surreal, a surreal night at... Um, uh, a surreal night at Chequers and it, it was there was me, it was Tony Blair and Cherie, there was uh, Jane Garvey who I was married to at the time, it was my wife um, there was Bishop Santanu who was then I think Archbishop of York <coughs> Um Lorraine Kelly and her husband and, and a couple of MPs, it was absolutely um surreal I mean there's a bit too much drinking went on that night in the end, I think that was social anxiety drinking and <laughs> and it ended up with me, a high court judge and Tony Blair wandering around the house with a bottle of Armagnac, which I ended up drinking about half of. And I and I I, I just remember thinking what a good listener to Tony Blair was, because I had an out-of-body experience just talking at him, <laughs> thinking he's looking at me, but he can't be listening. And then and then he said something which indicates not only was he listening, he actually understood what I was trying to say better than I was saying it myself. Um, but yes, that's my uh, that's my Armagnac night. I've been, I've I'm not touched a drop since.
0: And before you wrote this book, you did that great TV doc, Drinkers Like Me, for the BBC a few years back. I mean, and what yeah. did you discover then about your drinking?
1: Um, well, I mean. I suppose what I I discovered going into it, I mean, how I tried to sort of pitch the documentary was to say there's a lot of people who've got this idea of what an, an alcoholic is and that word alcoholic and this supposed disease, alcoholism, You know, clinicians don't talk in those terms. You know, they don't believe in this binary thing that you're either an alcoholic or you're not. You either, you know, you drink a little bit means you're a little bit addicted. You drink an awful lot. It means you're sort of very addicted. So I realized I was on that sort of continuum. And, you know, I never thought I had a problem because I didn't, you know, I didn't conform. I didn't resemble uh, the kind of picture we have of a quote unquote alcoholic. You know, I wasn't waking up in shop doorways drinking. Mm. You know, wine in bed in the morning and all that kind of thing. So I thought, well, I'm fine. But if I, I think I'm drinking every day, and I'm drink. You know, I'm drinking every day, and I can't imagine a social occasion without drinking. And you know, I'm drinking quite a lot. Then you know how can i say i haven't got some kind of dependence on alcohol and i didn't and as soon as i counted up what i was actually drinking and it took a tv you know it took a you know a tv camera pointing at me and a producer <laughs> yelling at me to force me to do that and i mean the first day's filming i mean i drank sort of 36 units in one day you know, based around a football match at West Brom a few times before, and went to a party afterwards. But to me, it didn't even feel like a big drinking day. You know, it was just sort of top it up all day. I wasn't drunk or anything. You know, but there you go, thirty six units gone, which is you know nearly three times what uh, <laughs> what, the, what the maximum it should be.
0: But the great thing about your book is it, I mean, it's almost like a self help book. You've lots of good tips because you you didn't go for total abstinence, but you've gone for Cutting right down tell us about the tips it's it is like a self-help book
1: well well, i mean it's i think i mean i would say i am not against total abstinence at all and in fact if you're a really big drinker i mean they do you know there is some evidence that if you have three months off it you can have it completely then you can spend that time figuring out what kind of drinker you want to be you know so i think that is kind of worth doing but for me for me it was just really about I mean, there's practical tips, but there's things about just reframing the way I thought about it. So, you know, I worked out if, in take forty years, um, my forty-year drinking career from when I was fifteen years old, if you lined up all the drinks, you know, it'd go, it'd be about three miles long, you know, <laughs> if I lined every drink. I thought, well, and I thought, well, that's a lot of stuff to put through your system. But the the real tragedy for me is that if I think how many of those drinks did I want need or enjoy how much did I get anything out of and mm. honestly I think it's I, don't, I think it's about a third of them mm. I think the vast majority I'm just drinking for the sake of drinking you know I just mm. just didn't because you got a bottle of wine to finish off so you just do it or you're out the pub doesn't shut for a couple of hours and somebody buys a bottle of wine I think might as well finish it you know you just I mean, it's mindless drinking, not in the sense of you know running down the street with nothing on and a traffic cone on your head. Not mindless in that sense, but mindless as in the opposite to mindful. You know, mm-hmm. you're not you're not thinking about it, and you know, and it, it, you know, I came to the realization that the the only drink that really matters is the first drink. Now, you know, the first drink brings about a change in emotional state. I think we can say, and and that feels nice. Right, but every subsequent drink is just a vain attempt to recreate the feeling the first drink gave you. Mm -hmm. And by the time you get to the sixth or seventh drink, it's making no difference at all. You're just storing up sort of problems to yourself. Now, for yourself, and and I suppose that's what I'm sort of become more mindful of. So treasuring the first drink and then thinking, well, There's diminishing returns now for every subsequent drink. I mean, having said that, if you if you're the kind of drinker who drinks for oblivion, you know, and I don't I don't judge you for that, you know, a bit of oblivion's nice every now and then. But you know, if you if you're drinking for oblivion, then I don't really know how moderation is going to help you apart from just if you just do it one day a week or something. You know, because, you know, moder- you know, moderation can bring you a lot of benefits, but achieving oblivion is not one of
0: them. <laughs> and actually, our listeners agree with you. Um, one Helen Clontarf says, Adrian's experience with alcohol, Miriam, is typical of so many. Just thinking of my own weekend, drinks after work on Friday, wedding on Saturday, when the drinking began at two. Then met friends for lunch today, when I know I'll be drinking more, maybe a bottle of wine or two. Yeah. I find it interesting. One of your tips, Adrian, is identify the slowest drinker in the group. Yeah, well, yeah. Just
1: you know, I I taught myself to drink more quickly when I was sort of seventeen or eighteen because I was jealous of how my friend would drink so quickly, and I I just saw him drink sip by sip. So I thought, I thought, hang on, well, surely you can you can get yourself to drink just 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 drink slower. And so you know, sometimes I even set my alarm on my watch to not take another sip of wine for another three minutes, or you know, just just. Also, don't actually. The way to do this, if you're a beer drinker as well, is don't drink for thirst, especially in the summer. So make sure you've had two pints of water before you go out. Otherwise, mm. the first two pints disappear in in, 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 a, in an alarming uh, in, in, at alarming speed. So, but if you pick the slowest drinker in the bunch and just and just match them, then you will be you will be slower. And also, it's stuff we've got this stupid machismo where you know you order a half pint. And everybody laughs at you. I mean, you've just got to sort of get over that, you know. So maybe drink, have the first drink as a pint, but, you know, don't kind of finish it. And then when the next round comes up, get a half. And then you'll get some stick, but then pour the half into the pint. And then you've got what looks like a pint in your pint glass, you know, and you go again. I mean, all all (laughs) these things help. You know, Less is more. The less you drink, the more more you enjoy it.
0: Anyway, Adrian, it's a great book. It's called... The Good Drinker, How I Learned to Love Drinking Less by you, Adrian Charles. It's published by Profile Books. Continued success, Adrian, with everything you do, your Radio 5 Live show, your column in The Guardian. Stay great and thanks so much for chatting to me okay. this I, I morning. Can't
1: wait. I can't wait to come over and see you. I'm just li- even listening to the ads. Just listening to the ad for Super Value, I started to get nostalgic for Ireland.
0: <laughs> well, so, make well, sure you uh, come uh, over. I'll-
1: so, uh, yeah, I'll be, uh, I'll be over soon and lovely talking to you, Miriam.
0: Yeah, and come in then. Thanks so much. Thanks so much, Adrian.